Welcome to the Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man podcast, dedicated to all the men who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages, with host Arturo Henriquez and sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, This podcast is designed to help you save your marriage and really thrive in your marriage, no matter what's going on in your life. Now, sometimes a marriage is going okay, and it's you know it's something that you still want to work on and actively improve and make it better. Sometimes your marriage is on the brink of disaster, on the brink of breaking, uh, divorce is imminent, separation, affairs. It's really in trouble, and you're doing whatever you can to build back that marriage that you ultimately want. And this podcast is designed to help you Do just that by understanding the dynamics, getting the tools, making sure you understand where you're headed, why you got here, and how to get away from there. So today I want to talk a little bit about what happened. How did we get here? That's a very important topic for us to look at in terms of how to save a marriage. I believe that there is something very important about being able to say, this is where I am. Think about it. If you got to the mall, right, when you walk into the mall and there are all these stores and all of these different places you can go, and if you want to get to a particular store, you better go up to, you know, those maps that they have in those kiosks or on the wall, and you're looking for that you are here, and then you're looking for that store that you want to go to, and you kind of map your way to that store by looking at that map. Now, in the old days... Uh, when, you know, way before GPS, uh, the same thing was true when you went on a trip, right? You had to pull out a map or an atlas even. Um, and you know, you, you look at the different roads and you look at where you're starting from, because if you don't know where you're starting from, uh, then it's going to be very difficult to map out how you're going to get to the place that you want to ultimately get to. So you've got to go back to the starting point, right? And it's going to be hard to get somewhere new if you don't know where you started from. That's the reason for this. So how did you get here? What happened in your marriage? So one of the things that's very clear to me is there's nobody who sets out to having a bad marriage, a hurting marriage. There's nobody that sets out to have a marriage crisis. So why would you do that? I mean, it's so hard. It's so distracting in life. It drains of energy. It's painful. It's scary. Why would anybody do that? And yet, look around at how many people land in a marriage crisis. How did that happen? Why do you keep repeating that? Well, first of all, I want you to understand that these marriage crises rarely happen overnight. Yes, there is sometimes a triggering event. There's some moment in time when somebody says, I've had enough. I'm not going to continue doing this. And they decide to take some action right? Get a divorce, a separation or whatnot. That's a triggering event though. It's not that there wasn't a problem the day before or the week before, the month before or the year before or even the, the decade before. It's just that there was that triggering event. And so sometimes we get locked in on that triggering event and forgot the fact that there were patterns and processes and dynamics that were already in place. And that's part of what I wanted to just kind of bring to your awareness is the fact that there are patterns 
that we always have and the patterns. Another way of looking at this is habits of how we interact. These patterns get built in either helpful or harmful ways throughout time. Generally, we use patterns. You probably do some things that are not particularly effective in life that you learned in childhood. Maybe you learn to avoid conflict by not talking about your emotions. Or maybe you learn to avoid conflict by dominating the emotions, by charging after somebody. Or maybe you've learned that it's dangerous to be angry. Or maybe you learned it was dangerous to be happy. Those are patterns sometimes that we establish in childhood that we've worked for, uh, that have worked for a reason, you know, in our lives. They were survival mechanisms. And then they became patterns in our lives. And then they became patterns in our relationships because other people have their own patterns and they fit together with our patterns. And sometimes those are in pretty disruptive ways. And that's often what happens for a couple. They get together and they have their own patterns that they bring in, right? Their habits. And then they find a new pattern that's not working, but they don't know how to fix it. So they get layered into, the, into that stuck place. And then something else happens. We get married and we often fall into inertia, right? We just kind of go with what, you know, what, what's, what's happening until we no longer can go with what's going on. And that inertia carries us until somebody says, enough's enough. I'm not going to keep doing this. So inertia is another piece of this process which leads us to the fact that what actually looks like for most therapists is a spiral downward. It starts small and it gains speed and gains momentum and gains other resources and gains other patterns and habits and reactions and responses. And the spiral gets bigger and bigger and bigger over time until it finally crashes to the ground and the couple is thoroughly overwhelmed, not noticing that there were multiple times earlier that there could have been a change or multi, you know, multiple times earlier that they missed the opportunity. And so the more the, that spiral gains momentum, and notice how interesting that is in the inertia of life where we just keep going along with things. It actually is adding momentum to the crisis pattern. And the spiral goes down and down and suddenly it feels like there's nothing you can do to change it. Sure, it would have been a lot easier had we adjusted earlier on, but it's patterns that happen over time and they're hard to see and they gain momentum over time, more and more momentum. And as you know, momentum happens, it gets harder and harder. Now that it's, it's not less important, it's just harder. It's more of a struggle to do it. So one of the things I want you to be very clear about at this point is that a marriage crisis, the fact that, there, that it's there, it's really not your fault. It's not your spouse's fault. It's really something else. And this is where it kind of breaks my heart because I watch people on the front side. You know, in premarital counseling, people step into the relationship. They were stepping into a marriage. And a lot of the times they are very ill prepared to do that. Maybe they hadn't had successful marriages in their lives. Maybe they had some assumptions about what marriage would be like that were unrealistic and not very helpful. And that's the problem. We don't get trained on these things. 
You don't know what you don't know. And especially if you're stepping into a marriage, that's kind of the nature of the beginning of anything. The problem is that there is not a lot of training that happens for people. In fact, the training you get is on the job training. Think about it. You go to a ceremony that you probably spend months and months and months, if not years, thinking about and planning. And let's say half an hour, certainly no more than an hour later for most people, the ceremony is over and you're married and you have this big party, this reception, right? And off you go into the world to try to figure out how this marriage thing works. You've never had a marriage relationship or even if you did, it likely wasn't successful and it might be the second attempt. And so you're not sure how to go about that one. And maybe even if you're done it three times, you realize that that wasn't working and you haven't figured it out. So you're still on the job training, whether it's your first marriage or your third. You don't know what you're headed for. You don't know what you're trying to create. And then the problems begin to set in. And then the patterns begin to evolve. So on the job training means that we make mistakes and we make them habitual. So the mistakes that we make, we repeat until they become baked into our pattern. And we don't even know that that is actually happening, that that's sowing those pieces of destruction. So if you don't know it already, one, one of the things that's unique about a marriage relationship is that we're trying to build a we, a sense that we are in this together. We are a team. We are united in this. This is not a relationship that you've created anywhere else in your life. Even if you say we, the family, my family, you know, you're separate. And at some point you're going to leave that family. You're going to grow into somebody else and leave that family. That's what happens when you're a child and you grow up. But in a marriage, you're saying for the rest of your lives, for as long as we are alive on this planet, we are going to be a team. We're joining ourselves together for eternity. And there's a psychological shift that can, that can and should happen in that process, right? In becoming a we, but people don't know it. And so they fight against it because... We're raised on the idea of being you are one person and standing on your own two feet and taking care of yourself. That doesn't fit so well when you're trying to join together with somebody else that has been trying to be their own person, standing on their own two feet and taking care of themselves. That doesn't fit so well when you're you know trying to join together with somebody and create the sense of being a we. We are in it together. Not you, not me. We are in it together. Does that mean you lose yourself to the relationship? No. You bring your best self to the relationship. That's part of the important part of this. So that's what we're trying to aim for, the we. And that's the we a marriage crisis has to move to. For a marriage crisis to successfully resolve itself, there has to be a place where both people step into the we. But why didn't it not happen the first time? Well, let's talk for a couple of minutes about the reasons that it might have missed the first time. The first one is what I call the pause button marriage. The pause button marriage, it's like somebody hit pause. On my desk, I always had a that was easy button. And sometimes with my employees, I use Socratic uh, questioning. I ask them a lot of questions. I try not to solve the problems that they come into my office for this is on the business front i 
ask them a lot of questions and so that they eventually come up with the answers so that it's they who resolve it. That's how they learn. And when that happens, I have them press the that was easy button, right? And it's kind of the same kind of the same thing that happens in a relationship, but people don't realize the damage of it. They hit the pause button, right? They put they put the relationship on pause. They hit the button and they say, okay, we're going to come back to our relationship once the kids go to college, once the business is launched, once my career is on track and I'm making a lot of money, once the degree is obtained, once our friends uh, have done this, once we've kind of finished socializing with them, once I've won the golf or the tennis tournament or the soccer tournament or whatever that is, or I take the bike ride across the world, again, whatever it is, whatever we have is that once this happens, we'll get back to the relationship, right? We hit the pause button so that that can happen. That's the pause button, right? Kids are a big one. Career is another one. Often there are some other pieces that keep us away from saying, yes, I'm in it. It's a we. Instead, we get put on the back burner. We will come back to we in the future. So the pause button marriage. So why is that a problem? Why can't we do something else in life? Do something while we're young, have a good time, get the career started, get the job going, get the income going, get the kids launched off to college. Why can't we do that? Well, it's because in reality, relationships only have two modes. They're either growing and expanding or they are shrinking and declining. That's it. There's no static. Think about that with your friends. If you notice that you've got some friends that maybe you just kind of fall out of touch with, you don't realize that you don't think about it and suddenly you don't think about them anymore. You stop connecting, right? That connection is lost for some reason. It goes somewhere else, goes to another friendship. So what a lot of people think happens is they can hit the pause button, pause the connection where you are and come back to that connection in your relationship. And so just like you lost your friend and time passes and years later, you're like, I haven't talked to him or her. Well, that's happening. The same thing is happening in your, in your relationship when you're hitting the pause button. And then some, suddenly the kids are gone and they're out of the house. Uh, they're grown up and you don't need them as much anymore. Or the career is now established. Uh, you've got the accolades, the trophies, the income, whatever it is that you needed to get done. And you come back to the relationship only to realize that you don't have a relationship anymore. You don't have a connection anymore. You don't have a warm feeling anymore. You don't have the chemistry anymore, emotional or physical or both. The connection fell apart. Maybe you get to that place where you say, okay, I love this person, but I'm not in love with them anymore. What does that mean? Well, that's a way of saying we've disconnected to the point that we have some feelings of care for the person, but not feeling of passion and connection that we once had many years ago. And that's what happens. That's why you cannot hit the pause button. It doesn't mean you cannot launch the career, launch, you know, take care of the kids, do everything that you wanted to do. It's just not compromising your relationship. It's not sacrificing your relationship. It's not putting your relationship to the side. It has to happen simultaneously. But a lot of people put the relationship on pause. Now, the other problem is at some point when we move further into disconnection, the disconnection ends up being much more about disillusionment. 
And finally, it ends in what often people describe as disgust with the other person. And we don't want to be around that other person. So that brings us to one of the other reasons that marriage is getting in trouble. And that is that level of disconnection. We are, as humans, in our DNA, wired for connections in ways that are probably beyond any other animal. Because not only do we have the proximity that other animals, other mammals might have, might share, uh, like cuddling up, but we also have, you know, that's a physical function, but humans can even talk about it. We have another, you know, higher psychological function. We can talk about what we want in a relationship. We can talk about what's important to us. We can talk about what our days was like, what's bothering us, what's going on. So we have an emotional connection. We can ha- also share more of a spiritual connection where we talk about what's important to us, what we believe in, what we, you know, what we stand for. And those pieces are deeply engaging in the connection process. We are so wired for connection that when we feel disconnected from somebody with whom we thought we were connected, even connected for life, we experience it as pain, physical pain, emotional pain, just pain because it hurts to be around, you know, to be around that and not be able to create it. And so the disconnection that comes from not knowing how to move towards this other person ends up being in many ways very disruptive and a painful process for a couple. The more painful it is, the more we tend to try to avoid that pain. Nobody likes to feel that pain. So what happens in the process is you go from, I do, like I'm in it, right? I do, I promise to be in this forever, to I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be with this person. I don't know how to hang in with them. I don't know how to be in this process. And that's when the spiral begins to accelerate because eventually somebody's going to figure out what to do and it has nothing to do with moving the relationship forward. See, what happens is we have that need to go towards being a we. But if we don't cross over to that, if we don't know that that's the goal, then we stay in a you-me orientation. Now, you-me is where we start. Maybe we, you, know, you met at a park or maybe you met on a walk or you met at a work or at a club or on the internet or whatever, And at those points, there's me, right? Before I've met somebody, I'm worried about me. And then there's the you somewhere out there, right? And then I notice you and you notice me. And we do this dance together of how that closeness is going to be. And you, me finally ends up being you and me. I see where I want to have more. And that you and me is what we take into a marriage. What we don't know is if we don't make that shift to a we, to a team, it eventually begins to be you versus me. It begins to be oppositional because that disconnection begins to happen. It begins to grow. That lack of the connection we want is there and we become oppositional because when you live with somebody so intimately and all of your connections and all of your decisions have an impact on each other, when you're not in it as a team, you're in it to see what you're getting out of it. I can tell this is a place When people are saying, well, what am I getting out of this? What are you putting into this? What have you done for me lately? Or look at how much I'm putting in. You're not putting in your fair share. You see, when we're doing the fair share, right? The what am I getting out of this? You can be very clear. That's what's in the process is that you versus me. That is the process. You versus me. So part of what's happening in this process 
is that we're spiraling towards more and more disconnection. Because when I'm judging what you're putting in, you're going to be on the losing end compared to what I see myself putting in. Because I might not notice all of the things that you would claim that you are putting in and vice versa. And we all know that. We all know that when we, you know, sometimes we think of our wife uh, and we think about all the things we do and we do make, make a lot of calls. If it's a special occasion, we make a lot of calls. We, we move a lot of parts. We put in all this effort and she doesn't see all of that. She only sees the end result, right? And we can take that example in so many different ways of a lot of us never seeing fully what the other person puts into it. We only see what we put into it. And that's the thing about we. If we see that we are on a team, think about that in athletics. The team is trying to win. That's the goal of the team. Each individual needs to play their best, but play their best as part of a team. What happens when one person says, I deserve the ball all the time, or I don't want the ball ever. Does that serve the team? No. It plays into the person's own ego or fears us or some other piece that keeps it from being about us and the team. So part of the process is beginning to identify these patterns, these dynamics. We have to know what the patterns are in order to move beyond them. We have to notice that, that you know, the stagnation that's within us. Notice the fact that we avoid pain instead of problem solving. You know, we're pain avoidant versus problem solving in our orientation. And when we're pain avoidant, all that happens is it multiplies the pain. We create defensive, offensive kinds of patterns between us that are even more destructive to the lack of connection. And the pattern and that downward spiral continues. So those are the big pieces of what happened. And there are lots of details, yes. But what you need to understand is the reason it happened with your relationship is pretty much the same reason it happens with pretty much all other relationships. And here's the cool thing about that. That means that your process of saving your relationship is the same type of process, the same approach. Maybe there are some nuances there, you know, some differences some idiosyncrasies that need to come out, but the same approach applies to you. The same as it applies to pretty much every other relationship that is in crisis. The roadmap fits for everyone because of how we get there is so common to so many people in so many relationships. And in our program, we've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men go through this. And I'd say 98% of them have this as the underlying problem. They don't see it that way. They eventually see it that way, but they certainly don't see it. They see it as very unique to their circumstances, and it never really is. Thank you for listening. If you're hurting, if you're lost, if you're in despair, you need to understand what is actually going on. You need to get the tools to become confident, independent of your wife. You need to get the tools to better communicate. You need to get the tools to deal with your emotions. You need to get the tools to manage her reactions. You need to get the tools to deal with your insecurities and your triggers. You need to get the tools to become a better version of yourself. You need to start to make decisions that are empowered instead of disempowered.
So if you're facing decisions, if you're facing this anxiety, what do I do? How do I respond when my wife is being toxic? I don't know what to do. My wife doesn't love me. I don't know what to do. My wife is cheating on me. I don't know what to do. She wants a separation or a divorce. I don't know what to do. Well, we can help you find those answers and give you those tools. Now, if you're interested in learning more about these tools, how to stabilize the marriage, how to postpone and delay the divorce or separation so you can work on yourself and save your marriage, how to start making changes to you, how to start building confidence, how to start being an empathetic listener, how to communicate, how to build trust, how to change your context, how to build desire, and so many other things you need to do to become a better man, to become a better husband, to become a better father, to save your marriage, to win your wife back, then I invite you to take part in the Fortified Spouse program. Go to fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. The program is going to change your life. It's going to make you a better man. It's going to restore the man in you, and it's going to save your marriage. This is Arturo Henriquez, and thank you for listening. You have been listening to the podcast, Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man. For further information, visit the Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you.